Hello, kings and queens. I'm back. Um, we were talking about Dr. Sabi when we last left off. We are talking about Dr. Sabi and how he heals off of the episode he did on the Rock Newman show. I'll give you a little insight on Rock Newman. Uh, I normally don't, you know, mess with when I'm, when I'm dealing with things from the conscious community. I try my best to only deal with people of the black culture, of the black melanated rich skin hue. Um, and um, I'm not sure if Rock Newman is of another race or if he's just a high yellow brother, okay? You know, everything tells me I'm confused on either end, and I think he's actually from another race, but he has indulged his whole life, I, from my understanding, into this now. We've heard and seen, you know, spies take over the Black Panther Party. I mean, they was black themselves, you know, melanated rich. But for what he's doing, he's interviewing a lot of brothers and sisters about the conscious community. He's actually at a um, black university. So he spoke on that, Dr. Rock Newman. He had a lot of brothers and sisters in the conscious community on his show. And I recommend you go there to get some of their better interviews. He's a great interviewer. He can compartmentalize, you know, certain things of a lot of their careers and get it, get them into focus on talking about it. So, Please, if you will, want to know more. And and if you like short interviews, I mean, this is short. It's an hour. It's 56 minutes. A lot of his interviews is around an hour. But if you go there and you ain't got nothing but five, ten minutes, you can see how he, how he separates segments in interviews. Within interviews, he breaks down segments as he speaks. So you can go ahead and listen to that. And for us that like to listen, and learn long hour conversations, things like that. I'm going to go ahead and get back into this. I have to break it down because we know how our anchor does. We have to break it into segments to please the listening audience and whatever else we got going on. So I'm going to get off into that real quickly here. I'm just making sure my stuff don't freeze up on me. And here we go back into it. I was home a Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles on uh, La Cienega. Somebody threw a rock at my window. When I looked outside, it was Randy. Well, I had known Randy over the years. Randy Jackson, yes. Michael Jackson, brother. Mm -hmm. So he came upstairs. What's it? My brother want to see you. I said, who? Michael. Michael, Michael want to see me. I'm the least of the individual that people want to see. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. I went to see him. And he said he was in agreement with me traveling with him. And I told him that I would be able to help him. He couldn't sleep. He was in a very bad emotional state. What, what time frame, what time period was this? Do you remember? Uh, 2004. Okay. 
I was with him from <clears throat> February until September of 2004. At the ending of September, I told him, I said, you know, you're singing, you feel good, you're looking good, I'm leaving. He said, don't leave me. I said, why? He said, I want you by my side, but I have a business to build. But I love Michael. Michael, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful brother. What did you do for him? What I did for him was this. I gave Michael an intracellular chelation. An intracellular chelation means that I'm going to clean every cell that makes up every organ that total his biological structure. Because he was full of a whole lot of drugs, you know, the uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. Couldn't sleep. Yeah. His nerve was shattered. So I began treating him. Yeah. And at the ending of the period, he was doing good and I left. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's deal with this because there might be some folks out there that are looking in here and they're saying, well, how did you learn to do these things? One. And I would, I would say, and I think we have something that we'll end up showing on the screen here. Um, regarding in 1979, I think it was, uh, you were, uh, uh, you were charged in New York city with practicing medicine without a license. You were ultimately charged, indicted and taken before the New York Supreme court. And I would advise my viewers who might be questioning your authenticity that you won that case. Now, what were the, so the charge was practicing medicine without a license and claiming that you had a remedy to cure AIDS, cancer, and diabetes. So the question is, how did you win that case? against what some people say are the toughest prosecutors in the land? Well, it was 19, it was 1987. 87, not 79, 87. The 10th of February. Okay. My mother knew they were coming. When I told my mama that I had cured my 13 AIDS patient, she said, they gonna get you, they gonna get you. So let me stop you there. You said I cured my 13 AIDS patients. Yeah. So you had 13 patients. Yeah. Who had AIDS. Yeah. And then you say cured. you cured them. Sure. You talk. So my mother said, they're going to get you. I said, but mom, why are they going to get me? Because you must remember that you live in a society that supports a certain philosophy and a certain system. You being the color that you are, black, and then you're going against the grain, they're going to get you. So, when I'm in my office on February the 10th, here come the detectives. You were charged with practicing medicine without a license, selling products that are approved by the FDA, and claiming to cure AIDS and other diseases. I said, yes. Well, you are making a fraudulent claim. I asked the detective, how do you know that? Because you were advertising.
advertising in newspapers. Of course. I advertise in the Village Voice, the Amsterdam News, and the New York Post. And you were telling people in your through your advertising that you can cure AIDS, sickle cell, lupus, or repeat blindness, diabetes, paralysis, and others. Uh-huh. Okay, so they come knocking on the door and... and... So it knocked on my door and took me to jail. But the funny thing about it, I was happy. I was very, very extremely happy. When everybody in my office was crying, I was happy because my mama told me they were coming. And I knew that I had sufficient evidence to prove my position. Not only scientifically, empirically, historically, and whatever way they would like desire. So while I was in jail, I'm saying, I wonder what defense they would have against me. I would like to know. But I didn't blame the Attorney General, Mr. Robert Abrams, because why should he accept from me the statement that I cure AIDS and sickle cell and blindness when no one else has ever made those claims? The man had a right to arrest me, but he was making a mistake. So I'm sitting in jail, and I'm happy. When I got out of jail, and I began to, when I went in front of the judge, I asked three questions. And they were? They were, Your Honor. You defended yourself. Of course I did. Okay. Your Honor, is it a fact that the Holy Bible teaches that the herbs are for the healing of the nations? She said, Yes. Is it a fact that science shows that the human body is carbon-based and to complement a carbon-based body, you must have a carbon-based substance to complement it because the body only accepts the substance through the process of chemical affinity. Chemical affinity is important. It's an electrical transfer. Chemical affinity. The body could only accept what it is made of, not something new or alien to it. Last question. Your Honor, is it a fact that the father of medicine, Mr. Hippocrates, the man that established the principle of medical science today, cured every disease known to man? Did he use herbs or chemicals? She said, herbs. I said, thank you very much. I rest my case. Okay. Go ahead. So I understood that the state were unprepared to defend itself. They were unprepared because in the past there was 2,781 cases that came before the Supreme Court and lost. I won. Not only did I prove scientifically, but I had the diagnostic sheets, and I do have them today. Uh-huh. And I don't diagnostic sheet didn't come from me. They came from their schools, their American credit, accredited, medical accredited schools. Were, did I read it correctly where there was some requirement for you to actually bring patients, a, a patient into court from each of those maladies and that you brought multiple patients in court who one testified themselves and that you had medical medical records one showing that they were victim 
disease and then showing that it had been cured by one doctor and then a second doctor verifying what the first doctor had said. Yes. We have to remember this, that whenever you make a statement that goes against the grain, you better be prepared. You better be prepared. The judge said that I had to bring one of every patient that I had cured, and there was one that said others. The others was a man that came from Italy. He was paralyzed. But I took, I was supposed to take nine. I took 77. Okay. With that being said, we're going to stop there for that episode, and we're going to continue with some more of his teachings and how to eat to live type of situations from, like I said, the great Dr. Sabi. That's all I needed to show you from that interview to give you a little substance for your non-conscious, for your mainstream mind frame of what we know now. So now you know this information. If you don't believe it, you can do your research. I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. It's right there in the research. Look it up. Okay. So that segment there is for the ancestor. And I will get back to you with another segment shortly. Until then, be easy and open your mind. Third eye. Third eye searching.